0: Well, hello, Crucible Church. How's the social distancing going out there for you all? Uh, What are you watching on Netflix or Disney Plus these days? I know that we signed up for Disney Plus just so we could watch Frozen 2 with the family. Uh, Yeah, other things as well. Well, my family and I were were really disappointed that we couldn't be with you together today to worship in person. uh, But we are together in spirit. And I hope that in the midst of this confusing time that you are finding hope. We hope that you're finding uh, connection, finding support, whether it be online or on the phone with your church or with your friends, hopefully also in your prayers with God and in your times reading his scriptures. Well, I know that Jonathan usually starts his messages with a video, so I've also got one for you this morning as well. Uh, Richmond has recently announced that they're gonna be implementing a new strategy to help contain COVID-19. I'm not sure if you've heard about this. Um, social, social distancing just isn't going as well as they planned. so. Um, check out what they're proposing Because if I stay, I'm trapped. If I leave, I'm alone! Oh, God! In, out! In, out! I never saw Venice! Thank you! Trapped forever? It's all come true. That crazy old man in church was right! Hurt. Raise your hands. Oh. Without the attitude? People, people, I have an important announcement. I have just perfected an acid firing super drill which can cut through anything. Oh. Yeah. It is cool. It's right there, just outside of the dome. Oh. Well, you know what they say? Desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> I can't believe what's happening around the world these days few weeks ago here in Canada everyone was getting ready for spring break holidays. We all knew about this virus but we just didn't think that it was going to be a big deal and in such a short amount of time everything has changed. First Disneyland closes, then cruises are cancelled, the government is urging Canadians to fly back home, toilet paper is disappearing off the shelves, everyone is staying two meters away from each other and these are all just the first world problems that we've had to deal with. Now the reality of it all is starting to sink in. The borders are closed. The stock market is crashing. Businesses are shut down. The number of cases are rising exponentially. Thousands of people are no longer working. Thousands of medical and emergency personnel are now working overtime in dangerous conditions. And hundreds of thousands are getting sick and thousands of people are dying. How can this be happening? In such a short amount of time, our whole world has come crashing down. Where is God in the midst of all this? And how does the Bible speak about our current situation? Let's stop and take a moment to offer our anxiety and our fears up to God. Let's pray. God, we don't know exactly what to do right now. This is a time in our lives that nobody has ever gone through, we are experiencing something completely new for our world. And God, there are many people who are afraid. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of pain, God, and a lot of suffering. And Lord, we need you in this time more than ever. We need you, God, to reveal yourself to us, to tell us, God, what you are doing in the midst of all this, and to help us understand what you are doing behind the scenes. God, may you speak to us this morning and this day. Help us, God. Help us. Help us, we pray. Fill us with your Spirit. Give us peace for this day, we pray. Amen. For the past while, Jonathan and others have been leading you through a series on the Gospel of Luke. And today we're bringing the series to its conclusion with Luke 24. Uh, Way back in chapter 9, the story of Jesus' life becomes more focused when he begins telling his disciples that soon he will suffer many things, be killed, and come back to life in three days. And it says in chapter 9, verses 51, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And from Luke chapter 9 all the way to chapters 22 to 24, Jesus has kept his eyes laser focused on one goal, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The place where he will suffer, be killed, and rise from the dead. And he doesn't keep this a secret from his followers. He repeatedly tells them that this is going to happen. But in chapters 22 to 23, we heard last week from Jonathan how they just couldn't accept it. Jesus asks his disciples to pray for him in this dark time, and they couldn't take him seriously, and they fall asleep. When the guards arrive to arrest Jesus, the disciples try to prevent this from happening. And when Peter is called out for being a follower of Jesus, Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. Jesus is rejected by his closest followers and is beaten, tried, and crucified alone, with no support from those who are closest to him. As all this is going down, I'm sure Jesus' followers were thinking, how can this be happening the night before they're celebrating the passover in the upper room together and now they're scattered afraid their messiah is gone beaten bloody tortured humiliated and dead and those feelings of confusion and grief continue into luke 24 our chapter for today luke 24 verse 1 i've already put up on the screen But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Read that again. They did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Why is this happening? How is this possible? Well, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. These disciples are wondering, how can this be happening? Because their expectations of Jesus as the Messiah are not matching has just happened. The Jewish people had an expectation of who the Messiah would be, and it was based on what they had experienced and read about in the Old Testament. They believed the Messiah would be a political leader, descended from King David. And Jesus sort of fulfilled that role. He was descended from King David, but he wasn't really a political figure like Herod or like Caesar. The Messiah would also be well-versed in Jewish law and observant of the commandments. Well, Jesus definitely lines up with this, this one, although some of his interpretations of the law were incredibly controversial, to say the least. Next, a military leader who wins battles for Israel. Okay, this is a really big one here. The disciples were really expecting Jesus, to raise up some sort of army or something to take on the Romans and take them out. But that definitely did not happen. Okay, next. What about establish worldwide peace with Israel as a central government? Wow, this is not going well for Jesus. That is for sure. Jesus does not even come close to reaching this. Okay, finally. End hunger, poverty, illness, suffering, and death. Well, Jesus is dead, so obviously something is not right here. This is who they expected Jesus to be, and it's all gone now. Their world is crumbling all around them. It's remarkable to me that their expectation of who Jesus should be is rooted in the Old Testament, but as Jesus points out, they completely misunderstood what the Bible was saying. So beginning with so beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus gives them a whole Bible college course as they walk down the road. We don't know exactly which verses Jesus pointed out to them. I wish that I could have been there with them, but I'm sure that they had a big focus on how the Messiah had to suffer. They did not believe the Messiah would have to suffer. This was all confusing to them. But when you reread the Old Testament again, after what Jesus went through on the cross, it becomes crystal clear that the Messiah was destined to suffer. This was definitely part of God's plan all along. Let's take a quick look at Psalm 22, for example. In Psalm 22, the psalmist cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? so far from the cries of my anguish. Well, Jesus on the cross cries out in Matthew twenty-seven forty-six, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? Which is Aramaic for, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, 7 to 8. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. In Matthew 27, 39, and verse 43, we read this about Jesus. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. They said, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. How about Psalm 22, verse 16? Dogs surround me. A pack of wolves encircle, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. And Luke 23, verses 33. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there. Psalm 22, 17-18 All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Luke 23, verses 34-35 to And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. Jesus was stripped naked on the cross and was publicly humiliated and crucified. Psalm 22 is a depressing psalm. It's hard to imagine people singing this, but the psalm doesn't end there and especially does not end there for Jesus. When people read that Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They jump to thinking that Jesus has given up, that God has completely abandoned him. But the psalm doesn't end there. Keep singing. Psalm 22, verse 19. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. They they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. He has done it. It sounds like something that Jesus himself cried out on the cross. Yes. Jesus suffered humiliation at the hands of the Jewish officials and the Roman guards. Yes, Jesus was beaten and mocked. Yes, Jesus was nailed to a cross, naked and exposed. But it was for a reason. It was for our salvation and the salvation of the world. And this isn't the only passage prophesying that the Messiah would suffer. It's all through the Prophets as well, especially in Isaiah 53. Here we begin to see why the Messiah had to suffer. Let's take a look at these verses in yellow first. Surely He took up our pain and bore our suffering. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. There is a lot of depth right here, just in these few verses. First, we get the sense that Jesus took the pain and suffering, the punishment that we deserved upon himself. When it comes to our relationship with God, we have a problem. We are an adulterous people. We say that we love God, but then behind his back, we worship other gods, the God of money, the God of security, of comfort, of individualism our marriage of our marriage to god it's rocky and there is a tremendous amount of pain and suffering that comes as a result of that unfaithfulness we're the unfaithful ones we deserve the punishment but god is incredibly gracious to us in his faithfulness jesus took that pain and suffering upon himself on the cross And as a result of taking that punishment, peace with God is restored. And peace with God extends to peace with all of our other relationships and peace within ourselves. When Jesus takes up our pain and bears our suffering, He invites us to experience His peace, to receive His forgiveness and have us be changed from the inside out. In addition to peace, Another result of Jesus' suffering is healing. Somehow, the pain that we currently experience, not just from our sins, but from the sins that we that have been inflicted upon us, Jesus somehow takes that upon himself. Jesus bears our current suffering. And the good news is, by His wounds we are healed. This revelation in Jesus open our, opens our heart to confession with the prophet that he mentions in verse in the yellow verses here yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted we all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to our own way there are times when we've given up hope in Jesus he did nothing he was nothing he was a failure the world thinks the cross is foolishness We've sought the comfort and security from things other than the cross of Christ. Each of us, in some way, has turned away on our own, and yet God continues to be faithful to us, and He continues to invite us back to Him, to confess that we love Him and that we need Him. And what Jesus did on the cross extends to our future as well. He continues to take up our pain and bear our suffering. Today. Now. Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 are powerful descriptions of how God will redeem and forgive his people. And it comes to help us answer the question of how God will deal with suffering. So right now, let's think of those moments when you've asked yourself, how can this be happening? The current COVID-19 crisis. Why? Why is this happening? Or, or what about all the accounts of sexual abuse that are coming out into the open around the world? What do we do with this suffering? Or what about when we see creation crumbling around us under our mistreatment? Fires in Australia, famine, drought, floods. Why is this happening? While well, even Jesus on the cross is crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you believe in karma, you believe that the suffering that you experience is your lot in life, the results of mistakes that you made in your past lives, and you need to go through it and do more good works so that in the next life you won't experience suffering. Well, If you're a Buddhist, you believe that suffering is a sign that your desires are uncontrolled. Your goal is to escape suffering by suppressing all desire with the hope of eventually experiencing nirvana. And if you're a regular person in the world today, you believe suffering needs to be avoided at all costs. Drown out the pain of suffering with entertainment, alcohol, food, sex, comfort, money. In the cross, we discover that Christianity is different. We discover that God didn't forsake Jesus in his suffering. A couple years ago, Pastor Mark Clark from Village Church Preached this in his sermon. God actually came and did something about it. In the person and the work of Jesus, he entered in. Here, Christianity is so unique in the marketplace of ideas. It doesn't say God is aloof, that he is off somewhere distant. distant. It says that he entered into the pain and suffering of our life. That's the great resource. It doesn't answer every single question of our suffering. You can go through the whole Bible. It's not going to do it. But here's what it does do. It shows us that God does care. He entered in through Jesus into the pain and the suffering and awfulness. And if you look at the cross of Christ, the cross is the place where all the resources you need to wake up in the morning and face the awfulness comes from from. As I was writing this sermon, I was reminded of something that happened with my daughter Lucy when she was two years old. There she is when she was just a little girl. She's a lot bigger now, four years old now. She's got a lot more hair than that anyways. Well, it was a late Saturday night and in the morning I was going to be preaching at church and I was going to be leading the service and all of a sudden at 3 a.m., I hear yelling from the other room, screaming and crying. I jump out of bed, I rush into her room, and she's standing up in her crib and she's yelling, Up, 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 daddy! Up, 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 up! So I pick her up, I take her in my arms, and I just try to calm her down and soothe her. I don't know what's going on. She sometimes would wake up in the middle of the night screaming for no reason. Don't know why, but she's just in pain for some, something's going on. So I'm just holding her, just letting her know, Lucy, it's okay, it's okay, I've got you. Go to sleep, it's okay, it's okay. Eventually she would just drift off back to sleep and I'd be, okay, good. I can go back to sleep now and be refreshed and well rested for the morning. And I put her down back in the crib. Daddy, daddy, daddy! She starts screaming again. She starts freaking out again. Ah, Oh, okay, okay. I pick her up again. I put her in my arms again. It's okay, Lucy. I've got you. It's okay. I'm rubbing her head. I'm rubbing her back. I'm doing everything I can to show her that I'm there with her. She slowly calms down. Yes, finally, I can go back to sleep. I start to lower her. Okay, wait. This just goes on over and over and over again. I keep trying to put her down and she keeps freaking out that I'm letting her go. But I'm not letting her go. I'm still there. I'm I'm still with her. I'm still watching over her. But she just can't seem to quite get it. I'm trying to say to her, Lucy, it's okay. I'm here. I'm with you. I've got you in my arms. Let go and trust that I've got you in the midst of this suffering you're going through. Crucible Church. We do not have a God who is distant or aloof. He is here with us, suffering with us. In that suffering, somehow, our wounds are healed. He bears our suffering and gives us new life to face the day. In that small way, I was entering into Lucy's suffering with her. I was losing sleep and I was getting frustrated. But comparatively speaking with Jesus, the suffering that I went through is nothing like what Jesus goes through and continues to go through for our behalf, for us. Jesus took our pain. How can we even fathom that? He is not a God who stands over us and tells us what to do with no understanding. He is with us in our pain And it is from that place that he says, just trust me. Just call out to me and I'll come running to you. Admit that you need me and I will be there. I am always there. Jesus is saying to us, I want to give you life. I'm willing to walk with you in your pain and suffering. And one day I will free you from all this mess. The invitation for us today, through whatever we're going through, whether it's COVID-19 or anything else, the invitation for us is to just let go. To just lie in his arms and say, I trust you. I'm still in pain, but I trust you. Because I know that you went through the pain for me. Because I know that you are with me suffering now. And I know that you are good and powerful and one day, this will all be changed. I'm not going to read the rest of Luke 21 for you. I'm going to leave the rest of the story for you to finish on your own right after this. You can dig right into it, but I will leave you with some of these words from Jesus at the end of Luke, Jesus does appear to all his disciples and explain to them why he had to suffer the way that he did. And this is what he says. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. Then He opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. As you go about the rest of your day and the rest of this time in isolation, may God open your minds so that you can understand the scriptures. May Jesus reveal to you that He is right there with you, taking and walking in your pain and suffering and may the spirit give you hope and power as you wait for the day when god brings ultimate healing and shalom to this world and in all these things may you be inspired like the disciples were to share the good news of how jesus is with us in our pain there to take it away and there to lead us into the future amen